The following has been recorded at Cairn University. Any reproduction of this recording without the express permission of the university is prohibited. I thank you, the uh, praise team this morning, for those two wonderful songs, my testimony, because certainly grace has rewritten my story. I was lost right in the church. I've been in the same church all of my life. I'll be 67 years old next month. Been in the same church. But one day, God really got a hold of me. And for now, over 40 years, 40 years, walking as faithfully as I could with the Lord. And he has been so gracious. He has been so good. He has been so merciful. David said in the 23rd Psalm, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I can look back, and I can see how he has followed me, how he has met my every need. I can see his track record. And when this life is over, just as sure as I'm looking in your face, I will dwell with the Lord forever. I have the assurance of salvation. I know that I've been born again. And one day I'm going to walk right out of this life and into life eternal. Matter of fact, I have eternal life right now. It is a present possession. But one day I'm going to walk into the presence of God. And I am so looking forward to it. But in the meantime, there's much work that has been done, that needs to be done. So I have a question to ask you today. Are you an answer to prayer? Are you an answer to prayer? And my text will be from Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9, if these nervous hands will just help me get to it. I've been preaching for over 31 years now, and I think I would be nervous if I wasn't nervous. You never want to come to a place of feeling self-reliant. Never. So, Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 to 38, reads as follows. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they were faint 
and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray you, therefore, to the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Let's pray. Gracious God, our Father, by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, I come before you in dependence solely upon you. And I seek you now, Lord, for the filling of your spirit that by the power of your spirit alone, I might bring forth a portion of the unsearchable riches of God. I pray this in faith believing in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. He told his disciples, the harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Are you an answer to this prayer? Are you one of the laborers sent by God to bring in a harvest of souls? Corn and wheat are going to fade away, but these souls that God is after redeeming, and he has chosen that he would use you and me to bring souls in. The people are ready and ripe to receive the gospel. Will you take it to them? Let me see if I can make it a little more clear. At times, we can become aware of a need that someone has, be it uh, financial, clothing, etc., and we'll come together and we'll pray about the need that this person has. However, many times we are the answer to that prayer. We want God to miraculously raise up some money or bring some clothes for that individual when sometimes we have it in our pocket and in our closet. God wants to use what he has already given you to answer that prayer. He has already given you, if you are born again, he has already given you his spirit. He has already given you his word. And he expects us to study his word. He expects us to walk in his spirit. And as we walk in his spirit, he will take us to the individuals he wants us to meet and share the gospel. I'm just a living, breathing witness of that. The disciples themselves, after Jesus spoke these words in chapter 9, they literally became the answer to this prayer. Because in chapter 10, Jesus sent them out so that they could put into practice what he had already taught them. And many of you, under the sound of my voice, were raised in church from birth or sometime later in your life just like me. You have been saturated with the message of the gospel, which is the death, 
burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You just may be surprised to know that God is expecting to receive some fruit from his investment in your life and in mine. He has a right to receive fruit from us. He has invested heavily in us. He bankrupted heaven. He gave everything he had. He held nothing back that you and I could be partakers of eternal life and become joint heirs with Jesus Christ. He gave everything he had. A man is only as good as his word. And we know God through his word. And his word represents who he is. Jesus Christ is the express image of the invisible God. In the Old Testament, God said man cannot see his face and live. But in the New Testament, he veiled it in Jesus Christ, and now we can look right into the face of God. Sometimes you might say you don't feel prepared to witness to others. Really? You can talk to them about everything else. You can tell them what restaurant you went to and how good the food was. You can tell them about the movie you saw the other day and this, that, and the other, and so forth and so on. You can tell about every episode of the stories you like to watch over and over again. And you mean to tell me that you can't open your mouth and tell somebody about the goodness that is in Christ Jesus? You can't tell them about his grace. You can't tell them about his love. You can't tell them about his provision. You can't tell them about all he's done for them in Christ Jesus? Nonsense. Nonsense. In John chapter 4, Jesus met the woman at the well. And if you look at that account, step by step, he brought her closer and closer to the revelation of who he is. He didn't bash her over the head about her sins. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. Sometime well, I grew up getting a bashing all the time. I, I grew up under that. And every so often I've been known to bash a little bit myself. But the sin is not the focus. God's grace is greater than every sin. And so Jesus graciously, step by step, brought this dear woman to himself and revealed to him who he was. She came to the point, she said, Messiah, uh, we're waiting for Messiah. We know he's coming. He said, I that speak unto you am he. It's me. I'm the Messiah. The woman got so excited. You see, she was there at the well by herself. Typically, women went together to the well to get water, but uh, this particular woman had a, a bad habit. She, um, she liked to uh, get other folks' husbands. And uh, you know, you know the rest of the story. 
She was on number six at this point, and uh, who knows how many in-between meal snacks she had as well. But Jesus brought her to himself, and here she is in the presence of God himself. She became so excited, she put her water pots down and hauled it back into the city. And she said, come see a man that told me everything that ever I did. She had come in contact with Jesus. Sometimes those of us who have sat around the church all of our lives, we take it for granted. But when God delivers somebody from drugs, when God delivers somebody from alcoholism, when God delivers somebody from uh, an illicit sexual activity and all of that, that that binds their hearts, they come into the church on fire. They can't wait to run out and tell people what Christ has done. You, when you've been bound up and then you've been made free, you have to run and tell people about that freedom that you found in Christ Jesus. I know what that woman was talking about. God delivered me one day, sitting right in the church. I couldn't wait to begin to tell people about the salvation that I found in the Lord Jesus Christ. So as I prepared for uh, this message, I spent some time with our resident missionary, Guy Eshelman, and as we talked, my thoughts began to line up more and more. Some of the things we talked about, I already had in my heart, but I'm just going to share a few things that you need to do in order to be effective in taking the gospel out. First of all, you need a steady diet of the Word of God. You cannot take the message of God and you don't know His Word. And just because you've been sitting in church all of these years doesn't mean you know His Word. If you just eat on Sunday and you have nothing, you have no interaction with the Word of God and with God throughout the week, you are suffering from missed meal cramps. You are malnutritioned. You're starving. And I'll tell you something else you're doing. You're walking in the flesh. Because whichever one you feed the most is going to be the strongest. That's, that's just simple. We have to know and be assured that the good news of the gospel, the substitutionary death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is the only way out of here alive. It's not one of the ways. It's the only way. The Word of God says that there is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. There is only one way out of here through the alive, and that's through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no other name given under heaven 
whereby we must be saved, and that name is Jesus Christ. God has given him a name greater than any other name. God said, I've magnified my word above all of my name. You've got to be settled on the word of God. There really is no excuse for that. Don't tell me you don't have time. Don't, don't tell me that. You have, to, you have time for everything you want to do. Then we've got to have a life that has been changed by the gospel. There's no need in going out trying to tell anybody about the gospel when they have been observing you, many times the people you're going to have been watching you. They have not said a word about what they know about you. And many times our lives don't represent the gospel. They see you up in a corner with somebody you're not married to being inappropriate, you can't go and witness to the gospel like that. When people look at your life, when they look at my life and see that I'm not doing any better than they're doing, they say, I can do bad by myself. I don't need your help. We have to have lives that represent our king. I didn't say you have to be perfect. God knows I'm not. Call my wife. She'll tell you. <laughs> She'll tell you in a heartbeat. She'll let you know the deal. It's not about perfection. It's about the direction you're going. It's about walking consistently with the Lord. It is said that St. Francis of Assisi, Assisi said that preach the gospel everywhere you go and sometime use words. But what he actually said was it is no use walking anywhere to preach unless our walking is our preaching. We've got to have a life Precious ones, we've got to have a life that reflects the gospel. There's just no way around it. One day, right in the middle of the pandemic, I was standing in line with at Home Depot, more dressed down than usual. I was in sweatpants and a T-shirt. Just standing there, I wasn't humming a hymn, wasn't on the phone talking to anybody about the goodness of God, just standing there. And the woman behind me said, are you a pastor? This is the kind of thing that will happen when you spend time with Jesus. I'm not consciously going around trying to say, look at me. I'm filled with the Spirit. Look at me. I'm walking in the way. No. I keep my mouth shut and I do it. That's all. I just live according 
to the Word of God. When I mess up, I go right to the throne of grace and I take a bath because the bath I took yesterday won't do for today. Every day I've got to bathe in the Word of God. It has to be a consistency about that. Just living out the gospel. Paul was so anxious to preach the gospel after he was saved, but he had no credibility. Because just the day before, as a matter of fact, just when, he, when Jesus met him, he was on his way to wreak havoc in the church. The people knew it. But he had not been able to live this new life out so that people could see that he was different. As time went on, this man became an invaluable tool in the hands of God because he began to walk what he knew of the Word of God. He studied the Old Testament. He knew that Christ now was in the Old Testament, and he began to live it out. He put shoe leather to it, not running his mouth. He put shoe leather to it. You've got to have a life that backs up what you're talking about. If you're going into the harvest to reap souls, you must have an active prayer life. You just got to talk to Jesus. You have to be able to reach heaven because of your relationship now with the Lord. The only thing that hinders you reaching heaven, he said, if I regard iniquity in my heart. You haven't done it yet, but you're thinking about it. He said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, he says, the Lord will not hear me. And that's a righteous man speaking these words. So that means we have to, the battle is fought and won right here. And we can't let anything get in the way of being, our being able to say, Lord, I need you right now. That I see an opportunity here to witness. I need you to give me what you want me to say. Give me the words you want me to speak to this person, Lord. Show me how to approach them. If you just got off the computer doing what you have no business, you can't reach God. If your mind is on things that it should not be on, you can't reach God right then. You've got to be cleansed for God to use you. And if you want to be, for God to be able to use you at any time, this cleansing must be continual. It must be continuous. Look, I go in my own cupboard and look at glasses that I washed to make sure I didn't miss any dirt down there in the cracks. If I've got that much sense, don't you think God has more? You've got to have an active prayer life, and you have to guard your heart so that nothing interferes with that, because that's how God is going to give you direction. It was through the leading of the Spirit 
that a man like Philip ended up at the caravan with the Ethiopian eunuch, and he preached the gospel to him from Isaiah chapter 53. The man was gloriously saved and took the gospel down into Ethiopia. It's, it's through prayer and study of the scriptures that Paul traveled all over Europe and Asia at that time, taking the gospel. And now the gospel has come over here, and we have it. And let me tell you something. Sometime we want to um, think about other countries being a mission field. Listen, the United States is one of the greatest mission fields in the world because we have Jesus on our lips but don't have him in our heart. Because if we can't treat each other right, if we can't love one another, he's just on our lips. He's not in our heart. As we talk to as I talked to Missionary Eshelman again, uh, he brought out that we have to be culturally aware. I teach in my Bible 100 class that you have to be aware of the culture in order to interpret the Scriptures. You have to understand the culture in which the Scriptures were written. And so we have to exegete the culture today lest we go and think that we're doing something good, but we're offending the person that we're going to reach. Peter got a lesson in cultural awareness in Acts chapter 10 when he was sent by the Holy Spirit to take the gospel to the Gentiles. Jesus was certainly culturally aware when he spoke to the woman at the well. So we have to be aware of the culture that these people are part of as we go to meet them. And one last thing I want to share with you. As you go, be prepared for rejection. You've got to realize it's not you they're rejecting. They're rejecting God. Samuel had to come to grips with that. Everybody is not going to want to hear what you have to say, regardless of how well you say it, to how much you know about their culture. They're not going to want to hear it. But when you are rejected, when what you say is rejected, realize it is not you being rejected. It's God. You have to leave that to him. You and I can only take the word to the ears. The Holy Spirit has to take it to the heart. As Dr. Van Billiard has said, there are a number of Zoom sessions designed to prepare us for taking the word of God to a lost world. Take advantage of as many of these sessions as you can, and I intend to do the same myself, because let me tell you something. I've been at this a long time, but this is something you never graduate from. Graduation for me won't happen and won't happen for you until that day when we hear of our funeral. So 
Make, take advantage of these so that you can learn how to reach the world for the Lord Jesus Christ. And your world may be right around where you are. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for this time you have given us together. Thank you, Lord God, for giving me a word to speak. And I trust the power of your spirit, O oh God, to take it to the hearts of the hearers and that you will use these young men and women mightily, O oh God, far beyond their expectation and mine to do great things for your kingdom, Heavenly Father, that their lives will reflect your glory so that they will have the, that will back up the word when they take it, Heavenly Father. And I pray this in the matchless, incomparable name of Jesus Christ. Amen.